When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of Germany in Focus, the local's new weekly podcast. We're recording this on Wednesday, October the 5th. Today, we're talking about how Germany is handling the COVID pandemic this autumn and winter, the rules to know, the latest on Omicron vaccines, and why the government has decided on this strategy. We're going to look at the new minimum wage and who benefits from it. And we're also going to talk about some of the cool and slightly unusual events, one involving onions, which are happening this month in Germany, because there really is a lot going on. I'm Rachel Loxton, one of the editors at The Local Germany. Today, I'm with journalists Imogen Goodman and Aaron Burnett in Berlin. And later, I'll talk to Brian Melikin, who's a writer based in Hamburg and is one of The Local's columnists. Hello, everyone. Hi. Hello. Today, we're welcoming Imogen Goodman for the first time on the show. Imogen, you're from Bristol in the UK. How long have you been in Berlin? Um, I've actually been here six years. It's actually flown by, but I love it here. It really feels like home. Great. And you were recently on a lovely holiday in the south of Germany, I believe. I was, yes. I escaped the smog for a week or so with my parents and we were in Munich for a few days. And then the best part of the holiday was going down to Fussen, which is actually near where Schloss Neuschwanstein is in the Allgäu. Getting some fresh air, seeing that castle, crossing that off my bucket list. It was really, really wonderful. Gorgeous. Getting out of the city air. Definitely. Has to be done. Aaron, how has your week been? It's been a busy one, but uh, we've also had the chance, my boyfriend and I, uh, to go and uh, try out a new Syrian restaurant here in Berlin. Uh, my boyfriend is British and he comes to visit. And whenever he does, there's a list of restaurants that must be tried Fantastic. in this town. So we're making our way through this list. Amazing. And there's so much good food in Berlin. Especially in the last few years, uh, for sure. It's getting, uh, getting more of a scene here. Yeah, and, and do you both feel like you're doing a lot more socialising indoors now, especially, you know, compared to pandemic restrictions we've had previously? Yeah, I think I started socialising a lot more this summer and now the weather's getting colder. Obviously, getting cosy in a bar on a nice weekend um, is just brilliant and I'm enjoying it a lot. Fantastic. Absolutely. After a hot summer, we're all spending more time indoors uh, for sure, but I have three vaccinations as well and I'm definitely out enjoying the fall in Berlin. Uh, travel is also much easier than it was a year ago, which is very, very helpful again when your boyfriend is British. But despite BER airport chaos, which can be very vexing at the best of times, it's also been quite wonderful for that too. This time last year, Germany had really tough COVID-19 restrictions in place, including the requirement to show proof of vaccination, recovery from COVID or a negative test to get into loads of public places like restaurants and bars. Things have really changed a lot, but the government has still brought in a strict COVID strategy that runs from October all the way through to April next year. There are still some rules in place, like having to wear a mask on trains, and states have the option of bringing in more 
more restrictions, although we're not going to see a lockdown or business closures, the government has said. Imogen, can you explain a bit more about the rules that we should be aware of? Definitely. Well, actually, as you mentioned, the long-distance trains uh, will still have to be wearing our FFP2 masks on those. States also have the option to keep the mask-wearing rule on public transport, so local trams, buses, trains. And I think most states are choosing to do that. Berlin certainly is. There will also be masks in places where there are vulnerable people, care homes, clinics, hospitals. One slight relaxation is that masks on planes will be scrapped. And if the situation gets worse, uh, states also have the option to introduce more indoor masks um, in places like restaurants, cafes, cinemas, sort of like the rules that we kind of had last year. Karl Lauterbach, the health minister, is quite keen for them to do that, but there doesn't seem to be a huge appetite to do that at the moment. Interesting, but it doesn't look like we're going to see the the kind of COVID health pass, the 3G rules as they were known in Germany. We're not going to see them this year, right? No, they definitely seem to have disappeared from the conversation. Although if uh, states do bring in sort of tighter mask wearing rules, they also do have the option to introduce exceptions, which might look a little bit like 3G in that you can have a negative test, or if you're very recently vaccinated, you can get out of wearing that mask. But we'll see how many states actually choose to do that. Yes, and again, in Germany, different states will have different rules, so you really have to check at the local level what's going on. Yep, back to the patchwork. Patchwork, exactly. So uh, the health minister, Lauterbach, as you mentioned, so he does seem to think there will be a COVID wave in winter. What are we talking about here? Do you think we have something to worry about? Well, it's quite a similar scenario in some ways to other years in that, you know, when the weather gets colder, when you're socialising indoors, you're bound to see those infections rise. But in other ways, it's quite a different situation because we've now got vaccines, we've got Omicron, and the evidence is that it tends to be a little bit milder. So Karl Lauterbach has actually said that we're better prepared than we were in other years. So while cases could rise, we maybe don't need the lockdowns and tight rules that we had before. Okay, and are COVID cases rising? at the moment? Uh, Yes, they are, and actually quite rapidly. So after the bank holiday weekend on Wednesday, there were actually 133,000 new confirmed cases of COVID, and that's kind of being matched by statistics on respiratory illnesses. Um, The Robert Koch Institute has actually said that there was 1.2 million new cases of respiratory illnesses uh, the week before last, which was more than double what it was the week before. So clearly, we're seeing this kind of wave of infections again. Luckily, though, that doesn't seem to be having too much impact on the hospitalizations. So that's really good news. Yeah, good to hear. And we're also seeing a more relaxed attitude among the public as well. I mean, we have one poll that came out uh, just last week saying people in Germany seem pretty fine with the COVID situation in general at the moment. So uh, 71% think that the rules that are coming in right now here in October are about right. And 19% say they're too much. And then only 9% say that they actually should be a little bit stricter or harder. And a clear majority of people don't even really think that COVID is a really big risk for them. We see that about 59% are not concerned that COVID will endanger their health. That does leave a pretty sizable minority still, about 30% who are still concerned about COVID and its impact on their health in Germany. Interesting. Thank you both. Germany seems to be taking a much harder line than lots of other countries when it comes to the pandemic. I asked our columnist Brian Melikan why that's the case. 
we have a societal issue here. Um, so obviously a lot of people pin this on politics and obviously the politics are different in Germany to other countries. Um, but I think none of these measures have worked in countries where the populations weren't willing to comply. So I think, and maybe we feel differently about this as listeners who have more connections um, to other countries than maybe your average man on the street. But I think your average German is still more afraid of COVID than in other countries. And I think they're also just more willing to comply with rules. Now, I know that sounds like a stereotype, but it's quite clear that we are more compliant. Anyone who uh, forgets to put their mask on at a particular moment where they're still required to will be told far more quickly in Germany to put it on by somebody else. We're not talking about the police or security guards. Your fellow citizens will tell you to do this in a way that in the UK or France just didn't happen, even at the very height of the pandemic. Uh, I had the you know, misfortune to have to travel once to the UK in one of various combinations of lockdowns. And people just you know will not police each other to the extent Germans will. So I think that's a, a main, an important reason uh, to to remember the but the second reason is political and not being a berlin insider with direct access to health politicians in this country i can't tell you why uh, but it is a, a simple matter of fact that if you look at the conclusions our politicians are drawing from the same data as you know, broadly we have a comparable covid situation to other countries but clearly our politicians think that this is more of a cause for concern than in comparable countries. Uh, our federal health minister, Karl Lauterbach, personally is very concerned um, on the basis of the same data. So I would say that he's the outlier. He has a scientific background as well, which is interesting. Right. Although, of course, what's interesting is that Karl Lauterbach's scientific background is very limited to epidemiology. So the science of, uh, the science of, of epidemics. But if you talk to medical practitioners, um, so notably uh, figures like uh, Andreas Gassen, who is the head of the German GPs Association, if you talk to Gerald Haug, who is the president of Leopoldina, who came out on radio yesterday uh, as saying that he thinks the pandemic is essentially more or less over, or the worst phase of it is over, and that we have every reason to be optimistic this winter. Well, these are all people who have, in some cases, more specific knowledge of the scientific issues in play than Karl Lauterbach, who, uh, who take a different approach. So clearly, it's also beyond his uh, scientific expertise, which I'm not, you know, in any way going to impute. But there are other people of uh, the equivalent qualification who see it differently, not to mention, of course, the head epi epidemiologists and health politicians in almost every other country bordering Germany or with comparable population structures. So I do think it's worth taking that with maybe a pinch of salt. I think there is just a personal and political difference with with Karl Lauterbach, which also applies to the Greens. Um, if you think of their uh, political, uh, their health policy spokesman, Janosch Dahmen, very alarmist um, and still very concerned. And I would also think it's you know, worth making clear at this point that I don't doubt these people's motives. I, I think they are, you know, imposing stronger restrictions on us because they see a danger that they believe others don't. I just think it's also important, you know, given that we are in the fishbowl in Germany, to remind our listeners that they have a very minority opinion now. 
German states have started rolling out vaccines that have been specially adapted to the Omicron variant of COVID. The vaccine is officially only recommended for at-risk groups at the moment. Can you share a bit more about who should get the vaccine and how they can get it, Imogen? Yeah, absolutely. Um, So as you mentioned, there are actually a few new vaccines on the market, one from Moderna and one from Pfizer. Um, And those have been specially adapted to offer better immunity against um, Omicron subtypes like BA1, BA4, BA5, as well as all the previous COVID uh, variants. So at the moment, the recommendation officially is that these should be used for any booster jabs that people get, your third jab or your fourth. The thing is, uh, fourth jabs at the moment are only recommended for risk groups, like you say. So that's people over 60, that's people with immune weaknesses, and uh, that's people in healthcare settings, so hospitals, nursing homes, that kind of thing. Interesting. And I've heard a lot of people who don't belong to risk groups kind of saying, asking if they can get it. Can anyone get it? Well, there's absolutely no harm in speaking to your doctor about it if it is something that you would like to get. As I said, the official recommendation is really only for risk groups right now, but that really doesn't mean that people can't book an appointment and have a consultation because their circumstances may be be different. Right, and we know that doctors here in Germany also have quite a bit of discretion about who they offer the vaccine to, and we do know that some doctors are now getting these vaccines in their practices that they can give to their patients through an appointment. So it never hurts to ask if that's a question that you have. And we also know that when doctors actually got these vaccines in their practices earlier on in the pandemic, that it helped boost that vaccination rate up here in Germany. It's now sitting close to 80 percent, probably 78 or so percent at the moment across Mm -hmm. the country. For fully vaccinated. For fully vaccinated people, yes. Yeah. Excellent. Really good to know. On October 1st, Germany raised the minimum wage to 12 euros per hour, up from 10 euros 45 cents. According to one research foundation, there were at least 6.64 million people in Germany who were earning less than 12 euros per hour before the increase. This is obviously a positive step forward for many people. Aaron, who in particular is benefiting from this? So we're seeing the biggest impact in hospitality with about 60% of people in that sector in Germany having made less than 12 euros an hour before October 1st, according to the labor data that we have. And then just under half of people working in agriculture and forestry and just under a third of people working in transport are all slated to get a little bit of a bump in their paychecks. Really good news. What's the significance of this to the coalition government? So this is a really big win for Olaf Scholz's Social Democrats, which is traditionally the party of the workers in Germany. And some of those voters started migrating away from the SPD when it was in coalition with Angela Merkel's conservative Christian Democrats. The CDU pushed back against minimum wage for so long in Germany that Germany was one of the last rich countries to actually introduce a legal minimum wage. We only got it here in 2015. Wow. Yeah. And back then it was at 8.50 an hour, so quite a bit less than the 12 euros an hour that we now have. The Greens, the other center-left party in government, also support this, but their voter base does tend to be a little bit more middle class and make more than the minimum wage. The FDP, the liberal FDP, tends to be the party of business and the self-employed. So this really is a big win for the voters who tend to vote SPD and the SPD itself. Wow, yes, and for, for Chancellor Olaf Scholz, as you said. I was also reading this 
week that the effect of the minimum wage going up is that a lot of businesses are going to actually raise prices so for consumers. Have you guys heard about that? So that's what German economists are calling a wage price spiral. So that's what it is, exactly what you just said. But the Social Democrats made this a big priority long before Russia ever invaded Ukraine. And before we started seeing this really high inflation rate, they wanted it in the coalition agreement after the elections last September. So there really was no way not to keep this particular promise for them. Yeah, it's just a shame that we're seeing prices rising so much with inflation. And then this is another add-on that people having to spend more to get things in Germany. Our Germany in Focus podcast is free to listen to, but it's made possible by readers becoming members of The Local Germany. If you're not yet a member, you can support us by heading to thelocal.de and subscribing with the reduced rate for podcast listeners at thelocal.de slash podcast offer. Germany has officially dropped the gas levy that was meant to be added on to gas customers' bills to help support struggling suppliers replace rushing gas. In fact, the government has made a complete U-turn on the energy strategy for winter. Now they want to bring in energy price caps. Aaron, can you tell us a little bit more about what's happening here? So that extra 200 billion euro package is coming on top already of 100 billion that's already been committed or spent. That previous money was covering everything from a VAT cut on your gas bill, summer's very popular nine-euro nationwide public transport ticket, all of the relief payments that we've been seeing, including up to 300 euros in energy relief that would have just gone on most people's paychecks. But many state leaders, many parliamentarians who sit in the Bundestag from all political parties, whether it's the conservative CSU or the Social Democrats, essentially said, look, this isn't enough. We need more relief, and they started floating the idea of what's called the gas price decal, a cap on the price of gas. So of this $200 billion that Olaf Scholz has just announced, a lot of that is going to be spent on this gas price cap. We could end up seeing 75-80% of everything that the average household uses declared what's called a basic level of consumption. So that's going to get capped, potentially, under plans that the government is working on. We might still have 20 to 25% of your gas bill allowed to float along according to market rate. That really is just to encourage people to keep saving energy. Excellent. Thank you. So Germany's finance minister, Christian Lindner, has been having to hold talks with his EU counterparts to convince them that this plan and the spending is proportionate. Why has the EU got to be involved in this, Aaron? So, Rachel, the EU is a common market and a common community, and each member country can't give their own companies, so in our case, German energy companies, too much state money, simply because that gives them a competitive advantage over other Europeans. Germany's spending package absolutely dwarfs all other European countries by a lot, so that's why they're concerned. Plus, Germany rejected the idea of a Europe-wide gas price cap only a couple of weeks ago, and now it's turning around and deciding to that it's just going to put in one of its own. So Lindner is going to have a tough job ahead of him. And we may see um, some German money put up to alleviate certain concerns from other EU countries. Interesting. Now, gas customers in Germany still need to know about a few changes this month, like the drop in the amount of VAT paid on gas bills. And there are a couple of other levies to know about. Is that right, Imogen? 
Yeah, yeah, that's absolutely right. So, um, as you mentioned, VAT has actually been cut. Um, it's dropped from 19% to 7%, which is actually the EU um, minimum or the minimum that's allowed under EU law. This was originally intended to offset the gas levy. Now, the gas levy is gone, but the VAT cut has remained. And that's good news because it could save a family more than 300 euros a year. And a single person could save around 90 euros a year, depending on how much energy they use. Unfortunately, though, it's not all good news. Um, there are two new levies to know about, the balancing energy surcharge, or Regel Energie Umlage, and the gas storage surcharge, or gas Umlage. These both come in in October. But luckily, they're nowhere near as high as the gas levy was going to be. Uh, they're about 0.57 to 0.59 cents per kilowatt hour of energy. So that basically means that customers will save money um, from a combination of this VAT cut and uh, the two new uh, levies. But unfortunately, it's hard to say how much that will be because gas prices are just rising so much. Thank you both. And you can check out our show notes for any developments in these stories we're talking about today. We'll be back after this sharp. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Break. Now, it's definitely getting darker earlier in the day, which is very annoying. But there are still a lot of cool events happening around Germany this month that can cheer us all up. Imogen, what is this about Weimar's Schwiebelmarkt? We must know about this. Yes, the uh, Schwiebelmarkt, or onion market, is quite literally an onion market. And it dates all the way back to the 17th century. Back then, people used to go to the onion market in uh, Weimar to get their stock up on their winter vegetables, including, obviously, a major staple, onions. Like a lot of historical marketplaces, it was also a very social um, affair. People would come, meet other people from the town, meet the traders, uh, meet the farmers. And in the 19th century, it just grew and grew and became this kind of nationwide event where people would travel from neighboring states and all over the country uh, to go to the onion market. So something really special that you will see um, at the onion market is Svibelrispen, which are kind of onion spikes or onion panicles. And they're basically big bouquets of red and white onions that are kind of wrapped around each other. And it's 
almost a kind of art form. Apparently, uh, Goethe was a big fan of these feeble Rispin, um, and he liked to have them all over his home. <laughs> <laughs> this is amazing. He also used to talk a lot about the health benefits of onions, so he was definitely a fan of the Zwiebelmarkt. Faust makes more sense now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, who knew? So nowadays, obviously, it's got all the sort of uh, parts of your typical kind of Volksfest. So you've got the fairground rides, you've got beer, obviously, um, and you've got music and tents. So it's just a really fun event to go to. This sounds brilliant. When is this happening, Imogen, did you say? So this is actually kicking off this weekend. So it runs from the 7th uh, to the 9th, and that's in Weimar. We've got to get to Weimar. I think we have to. <laughs> Aaron, are you looking forward to any cool or maybe unusual events this month or in Germany? Well, I love the Festival of Lights in Berlin every October. A few years ago, I went and there was a beautiful, beautiful tribute to the fall of the wall and reunification lit up on as a light show on the Brandenburg Gate. It was really, really quite um, stunning. They are going to be scaling back that event this year um, due to the need to save electricity, but I'm sure they're up to the challenge and it's always absolutely beautiful. Also big on my bucket list, though, I'm a wino. My family is actually from the Okanagan or lives in the Okanagan in one of the only parts of Canada that grows wine. And sadly, even so, I've never been to a German wine festival, and I'm sure that the Riesling will be much sweeter when I do. One thing to watch out for in German wine culture and at wine festivals is the Wine Queen, which is a job that's been described basically as half Miss Germany and half wine industry lobbyist. Wow, that is amazing. And it's interesting, isn't it, because everyone thinks Germany is such a big beer country, but there is a huge huge wine culture, especially in like the Rhineland Palatinate area. Yeah, it's Germany is actually one of the largest exporters of wine in the world. Uh, it makes, yeah, it makes the top, I believe, five. Uh, we do have some countries like France and Italy who are ahead of it. But it's actually quite high ranking in terms of the amount of wine that it exports for sure. Excellent. I think on my bucket list for festivals in Germany is the is the big Gothic meetup that happens every year in Leipzig. It's called the Wave Gothic Treffen. And it's basically just a whole bunch of Goths that get together and they come from all over the world. I think it happens in May or June each year. And they gather in one of the parks in Leipzig and just wear loads of eyeliner and the cure, probably. Wow. The makeup shops in Leipzig must absolutely <laughs> love this. Yeah, doesn't it sound amazing? It does sound amazing. <laughs> and it had to be Leipzig as well. It's the perfect place exactly. for a goth gathering. Exactly. <laughs> Do you have any festivals, events that you would love to go to, MJ? Well, we're clearly both quite uh, goth-oriented because <laughs> uh, with Halloween coming up, I would actually quite like to go to Burg Frankenstein, which is related to the novel. Apparently, Mary Shelley um, spent some time in the area and could have been inspired by this castle. But nowadays what it's known for is basically a big sort of Halloween spectacle that runs every year and it's just this interactive experience. You go to this thousand-year-old castle and every year they try to outdo what they did the year before with something even spookier and even scarier and even more realistic. Unfortunately, I'm not quite sure that I'm brave enough to go, but maybe yeah. one, maybe if I spend this year kind of plucking up my courage someday I'll go. Yes, sounds like a great event. I would love to hear from you at home if you're planning to go to any festivals in Germany this month or indeed if there's a really weird event that you're looking out for that's happening sometime this year. 
That's all for this week. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you to this week's panellists, Imogen Goodman, Aaron Burnett and Brian Mellican, as well as sound engineer Reese Edwards. Remember, you can follow us on Twitter. Our username is Germany in Focus. And don't forget to rate the podcast on your podcast app. I'm Rachel Loxton and we'll be back again next Friday with a new episode of Germany in Focus. Until then, take care. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.